You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at the Jets' win in St. Louis, including Cubs' potential injury... And a new top line emerges. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, hope you guys had a great weekend. I spent mine in a metaphorical ice bath after my first week back at the gym and what was clearly far too long. I, I was sore enough to get into an actual ice bath to heal my, my poor, poor muscles, but it's, it's cold as hell and I'm too old for that. Plus, I just regained feeling in my legs, so there's that too. Anyways, plenty to get to now that we officially have less than a week to go. Before the trade deadline, only three more games as well for the Jets until the big day, including an absolute monster matchup Tuesday night at home, which we'll get to later on in the episode. But we'll begin by looking back at a Sunday night thriller in St. Louis. What an awesome game that was. That was a super entertaining contest. Easier to say, of course, when the Jets pull out the two points, especially after the gong show in OT. My... My God, I hate to start the recap of the game like this, but we have to get to it. What in the hell is going on with NHL officiating? I, I just, I don't get it. It's, again, it's the worst, it's the worst I've ever seen by a mile. But was there like a recent memo or something set out by Bebbin in the league to be absolutely incompetent during the most pivotal moments of a game recently? Did, did I miss that? I, I just don't get it. Mark Shifley freaking tackled by David Perron and two refs watching that think, hey, well, good thing I didn't affect the game there by calling a penalty in OT, right? Wouldn't want to do that. Oh, what's that? An immediate two-on-one back the other way because of that? Whoops. It's just crazy. Like, I'm not, I'm not even going to pretend to say that the league should be embarrassed by this because they quite clearly are not. They, they love the way the game is being officiated right now. Or else they would have changed this a long time ago. Now, I'm not going to put my conspiracy hat on here and say, wow, the Leafs got screwed, the Oilers got screwed, the Jets got screwed. A lot of Canadian teams not getting the calls in those situations. Interesting. I'm not even going to go there. Although maybe at, at some point it is a, a point of discussion. Well, we might have to get to that a little bit later on. But it's just when, when your officiating crew is so incompetent, 
it leads to conspiracy theories and things like that. It, it's it's just it's hard to wrap your mind around how such an important critical part of the game could be done so poorly time and time again, but we're just seeing it over and over and over again, and it, it's just really frustrating. And I just I dread what the playoffs are going to look like if we're seeing regular season games in March called like this. What is it going to be like when NHL officials notoriously put their whistles away? I'm really scared that it's going to get to a point where it just becomes unwatchable if you're, say, a casual fan of the NHL. But aside from that garbage, a whole bunch of positives to take from this Jets performance in this one. A number of players stepped up and had big, big games. But it was pretty obvious what the main takeaway was, right? We may have quite possibly seen the most influential 10-minute misconduct penalty in Jets history. And I say that because while it sucks for Evgeny Svechnikov, that move led to an absolute electric factory out there on the ice because Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers absolutely stole the show. That's a performance, regardless of playoffs or no playoffs this year that gets Jets fans really, really excited for potentially what's to come as long as they're kept together for the time being. And it's funny because just last week I said there was a lot of optimism with the Jets trying to spread the wealth on their top three lines, how they're difficult to defend, you have an elite player on each line, so on and so on and so on. Well, guess what? Throw that crap out the window. (laughs) Screw balance. What I said is completely irrelevant as long as we see those three together moving forward. I mean, that was edge of your seat stuff watching that line play against the Blues. It was just the perfect marriage of three different playing styles, right? I mean, it's almost like the the EA NHL video games of like 10 years ago where you'd put a power forward, a sniper, and a playmaker together on a line for maximum chemistry. And all the pieces just fit so well, right? That's what we saw in that game. And coincidentally, that's what each of those three players brings to the table, right? I mean, first off, any time right now that Cal Connor gets the puck with an inch of open space, it feels like it's 50-50 going to end up at the back of the net. I mean, maybe 60-40 at this point with how hot he is. It's just crazy. He, the, the the skill and his ability to get a shot off quickly. It's, yeah, he's, I mean, it's not really surprising anybody here that he is, no doubt about it, one of the preeminent goal scorers in the NHL. Then you have Nikolai Ehlers doing Nikolai Ehlers things, which is no surprise to Jets Nation at all. I mean, he just brings such an incredible amount of, of energy and creativity to the game. It's just night and day with how the Jets play when he's in the lineup and when he's out of the lineup. They just seem like a slower, more lethargic team when Nikolai Ehlers isn't there. And he's been great since he came back from injury. But then on top of it all, you have this absolute beast emerging for the Jets down the middle. Man, oh man. PLD is so nasty. He is just... An absolute force out there. I mean, there's... I I looked it up. There's no way 
He's 6'2", 205, like he's listed on NHL.com. Because he, he's playing like mini Lindros of late. He's got it like 6'4", 220 at the very least. I just, how can you not get jacked up as a fan or a player? <laughs> Watching the physicality of Dubois out there to go along with the skill that he has. I mean, he's just, he's just taking games over by sheer force as of late. And on top of it, this is a great example of how points can be overrated a little bit to judge a player's impact because Dubois is only on pace for at most 60 points this year, unless he goes on an absolute heater. But he's played like a point-a-game guy for me. You know what I mean? Like, he's looked like an all-star, which you normally wouldn't say of somebody that only puts up 60 points over the course of 82 games. He's just so noticeable every single game and you know that you know whenever this team heads to the postseason that he's going to elevate his play and and be one of those clutch playoff performers on top of it all so now while it would be unbelievable to see Dubois Ehlers Connor as the top line moving forward for the last 22 games this year I'm not gonna pretend that that's what's gonna happen I mean we we know Dave Lowry's tendencies and Paul Maurice 2.0 that he's likely going to play the, the Shafley line as his go-to, and they're going to get 20-plus minutes a night moving forward. I'll be pleasantly surprised if that's not the case, but that's kind of what I'm expecting. But for next year, new coaching staff, you know, a, a new group of players as well on top of it potentially, there is no good excuse whatsoever for that not to be the Winnipeg Jets' top line headed into Game 1 of the next season. No way. You give those three... 20 plus minutes a night you just sit back and watch the magic happen and whoever the coach is can look like a genius throwing those three over the boards time and time again and, and if that was the case too I honestly wouldn't even care if Shifley and Wheeler were still together at that point but you have them playing second line minutes right like 17 18 a night whatever it may be just more importantly you're giving Dubois Connor Ehlers the lion's share of the minutes doled out you could put Cole Perfetti with Shifley and Wheeler to add another layer of scoring as well. And yeah, sure, you still have to figure out the third line, but that's to come. That what you have right there is a pretty damn imposing top six. And it's hard not to get real, real excited and think how high Dubois, Ehlers, Connor can go as a line and just how high they might rank when it comes to best lines in the NHL at some point next season. I know that sounds a bit outlandish right now, but with how well they looked against St. Louis, uh, dare to dream, Jets Nation, dare to dream on that one. We'll get to some other points of that game against the Blues, including, you know, a positive and then a, a pretty serious negative one for the Winnipeg Jets as well in just a sec before we shift gears and look ahead to the upcoming trade deadline. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out here to our friends over at DraftKings. An official sports betting partner of the NHL will get to their big, big win opportunity for you guys in Sportsbook in just a sec. But a reminder as well that if Sportsbook is not available in your state, you still have a shot to light the lamp with huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest every single day. You can get in there with a chance to win. And DraftKings is always giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 
on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. Now, while Dubois-Connor Ehlers certainly were the headliners of that win against the St. Louis Blues, there was one other pretty solid positive performance that, that I noticed, at least in that game. And that was that Logan Stanley had what was by far his best game this season. I, I don't even think it's all that close as well on top of it. I, it might, might have been the best game of his NHL career. Outside of him going, you know, bar down on Carey Price in the playoffs, that's as noticeable as I've seen Logan Stanley from a positive perspective in a, in a long, long time. And really, the, the one shift in particular that we saw that's how Logan Stanley needs to play all the time. An absolute bone-crushing hit on Jordan Cairo. A completely clean and legal hit, too, by the way. But you you, you saw there in that instance that Cairo was in a tough spot, and, and I don't know how much he was dealing with that as the game went on. Didn't really see what was normally a, a pretty electric player for the Blues make much of an impact after that. But, you know, Logan Stanley really kick-started that second period push by the Winnipeg Jets and ultimately leading, or sorry, the third period push by the Winnipeg Jets ultimately leading to that Mark Shifley goal there, right? Like Logan Stanley for a guy that's, you know, the, si the, the size of a basketball net just isn't as physical as he really needs to be, right? Like you, you see a guy like Brendan Dillon, right? Like if Logan Stanley played as mean and nasty as Brendan Dillon did, I think he'd be able to, you know, give a little more impact and oomph to the Winnipeg Jets lineup. But it was great to see him do so on that specific play and then a number of times throughout the game as well, especially as the game started to get, you know, chippier and chippier. But on top of the big hit by Stanley there, getting real active in the play as well, jumping down low, not afraid to pinch up and, you know, create another layer of attack inside the offensive zone there. And ultimately, it's, you know, his shot that leads to a scramble in front of the net. And Mark Shifley is able to tap home the, the perfect cherry on top to an amazing shift by the Jets. I mean, they were just hemming the St. Louis Blues in time and time again. I thought Logan Stanley was a major, major bright spot in this game. especially And maybe not coincidentally as well, you know, with Philly Hainala sitting in the press box out here on the road trip. Stanley not playing super well of late as well. You know, maybe there was a bit of a message sent by the coaching staff that, you know what? You could be switching spots sometime soon if the uh, if the performance doesn't change here. But Logan, whatever it was, Logan Stanley brought it. And, and whatever it took to get that out of him, do it again each game moving forward because it was a, a welcome sight to see. We I think we all know that and would agree that it's been a bit of a disappointing sophomore campaign for Logan Stanley this season. But more performances like that will get people a lot more excited about what he can bring to the table for the rest of this year and heading into 2022-23 as well. So those were the positives. There was a, a pretty, pretty massive negative, though, on the night for the Winnipeg Jets. And a scary one as well. I mean, lots of implications. But, you know, first and foremost, seeing Andrew Kopp take a high hit like that. I don't know if it was the injury or the frustrate, whatever it was. But slowly getting off the ice. Not returning to the game as well. Yeah, just hope health-wise he's going to be okay moving forward, right? I mean, just coming back from a concussion. I don't know how many he's had in his career. 
But it's just it's always scary seeing a player return and then take another hit like that and potentially miss a, a lot of time. So just from a pure you know human perspective, really hope Andrew Cobb's going to be okay and get, gets back to playing soon. But obviously, with the deadline six days away now, it's it's a massive. There, there's massive implications to if Andrew Cobb misses a ton of time moving forward. Obviously, and, and we obviously have to get to that here. You know, barring the Jets sweeping the three games before the deadline and every other team losing the rest of their games, the Jets are, are pretty much positioned to to move Andrew Cobb uh, by Monday's trade deadline. And you're talking about, you know, if he is hurt and is expected to miss a lot of time, you're talking about the Winnipeg Jets missing out on the first round pick, right? Like that that's a major, major blow and, and just bad luck more than anything, really, if if Andrew Kopp is forced to miss a ton of time here and, and the Jets just really have no choice but to avoid making a deal because of his injury status. Now, this does bring up a, a pretty interesting point when it comes to the deadline. And especially because Jacob Chikrin suffered uh, a knee or a lower body injury, whatever it is, he, he's going to miss maybe up to a month, right? But just the... I guess the thought process of sitting your players out before the trade deadline to make sure that you protect the asset, right? And, and I guess just how how far and how long do you do that? Because it's it's very commonplace to see a team do that, you know, a, a game before the deadline or something like that. But, you know, and we've heard Chevy say, you know, he believes in the team. He's going to wait right up until the deadline before he makes a decision on this. But even if we assume for a second, that what he's saying is just, you know, public posturing. And he does, you know, give him some truths here. I mean, he's going to move Kopp and Stasny at the deadline, regardless of what the Jets do. It's an interesting debate as to when you pull the plug on on keeping these guys out of the lineup to make sure that they're healthy and you don't lose out on a potential draft pick or a prospect coming back your way. Obviously, different situations, different teams in, in the standings and things like that. You know, from the Winnipeg Jets perspective, you, you do have to take into account how 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 much the locker room would react negatively in a situation like that, right? Like there is a human element to this where, sure, it would make sense that a week before the deadline, you, you pull Kopp and Stasny from the games and you make sure they rest and you kind of signal your intentions there. But then you have 20 plus, maybe even 30, including the coaching staff pissed off people that don't want to do their job. And guess what? That travels around the NHL. Anytime you want to attract a free agent or convince a guy to waive their no trade clause, right? Like you have to weigh those things into account as well if you're the Winnipeg Jets. So it's just one of those things where, you know, from a Jets perspective, you, you just kind of hope for good luck that, you know, something bad doesn't happen to, to anybody you might be moving before the upcoming trade deadline, it's just sometimes things like this happen, and it, it sucks. It, it's just a brutal, brutal break for the Winnipeg Jets if Cop is going to miss a significant amount of time here. Now, it will be interesting to see what the team does heading into Sunday's game against Chicago, I believe. Because obviously, officially the last game before the deadline, the day before the trade deadline as well. Maybe this is something we'll touch on in Friday's episode, depending on what happens in the game Tuesday against Vegas, because 
hey, a loss against the Golden Knights, it pretty much seals the Jets' fate that even more. A win, though, makes things a little bit interesting just because they'd be creeping a little bit closer to that, you know, two, three, four point deficit outside of a playoff spot. But I do wonder what the Winnipeg Jets will do in that situation. We'll we'll touch on that in Friday's episode, but that's going to be a big deal. Against Chicago, will Copper Stasny play or will Jets management pull the plug and have both of those guys sit out, basically signaling to the world that they're going to be on their way out the door in uh, a couple hours' time. So we'll see. I mean, still a lot. I I know six days isn't all that much time, but a lot could happen in the next three or four days for the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll just, we'll keep some tabs on that as we move closer to the end of the week and as we get closer to our next episode on Friday. In the meantime, though, big, big move ahead of the trade deadline. And and poor James Duthie, this is going to be the first of many, I think, that we see before trade deadline day comes around. But the Colorado Avalanche make a huge splash already. Not the one everyone expected, surprisingly going after the blue line, though, and making that move to acquire Josh Manson from the Anaheim Ducks. So, I mean, big in two ways. One, and we'll get to the Colorado side of it in just a sec, but they move some significant assets out the other way. But, you know, Anaheim really at this point signaling that, yeah, we're going to be sellers of the deadline, despite the fact that they are kind of in the mix for a wild card spot. They're announcing their intentions to the rest of the NHL here that, yeah, we're going to be we're going to be movers at the deadline. We're going to make sure that we get as much assets as we can for our pending UFA. So, hey, maybe take note, Winnipeg, on that one. Uh, but from the Colorado side of things, a significant a significant package going back the other way. I, I, I don't mind the deal at all, but just significant in the sense that there's not a whole lot to give up anymore if you're the Colorado Avalanche to find help up front. And what I think this move does, just from a Jets perspective, is it takes Andrew Kopp and Paul Stasny out of the Colorado Avalanche's target lines here. I, I think it takes the Avalanche as a potential suitor away from either one of those players because they move the second round pick. They move the prospect Hellison, who sounds like a pretty solid player, might be able to play in the NHL as early as next year. If Colorado, and I, I do think they ultimately make this move, but if they take the plunge and go after Claude Giroux, there's really not a whole lot of picks or prospects or cap space left to go after a guy like Cop or Stasny. So I think we see one more big move out of Colorado before this is all said and done. I just feel like they're pushing all their chips towards the big, big piece, either a Giroux or a Hurdle, somebody like that. I, I just feel like Colorado's going all in, knowing that, you know, Kadri's out the door in free agency and, and McKinnon's contract is going to expire sometime soon. So I, I guess a, a bit of negative news from a, a Winnipeg Jets perspective on that one in terms of, hey, one less suitor, could sometimes mean a little bit of an underwhelming return coming back for any of your pieces. It also does, you know, in, in a different way, I think <laughs> scare the Winnipeg Jets from from keeping their rentals and going after a, a playoff spot because, hey, you want to squeak in to the second wild card spot only to face an avalanche team that potentially will have Josh Manson and Claude Giroux in tow? Like, that's who you want to go up against in round one? Yeah, I, I I think I'll take my, you know, potential first and second round pick for Kopp and Stasny. Thank you very much. But, yeah, that's a, it's a big move 
And I like it by Joe Sackick. I hope it pays off. I always love when teams, you know, can go deep in the playoffs after making big-time trades because it just encourages more activity and more craziness in the years to come here. But excited to see what Colorado does as an encore for that. And honestly, to tie this whole thing back together to wrap this up, I'm really intrigued to see what the Vegas Golden Knights do at the deadline. Really intrigued because there is... It would. It might be a toss-up as to who has more pressure to make the playoffs, the Edmonton Oilers or the Vegas Golden Knights, right? Because the Knights have really pushed all their chips in, and they've done so for a while now. We haven't seen Edmonton do that just yet, but, I mean, there's potential jobs on the line in both places to find a way to get into the playoffs here. And, and Vegas, out of nowhere, is in big, big trouble. I mean, they're they're kind of a coin flip to get in right now. You know, a point up on Dallas— with four more games played, you have to imagine the Stars take advantage of that. And tied with Edmonton, but Edmonton has two games in hand for that final playoff spot in the Pacific Division. You know, they're, they're just at a tough spot right now because half their team's injured, right? Vegas doesn't have a whole lot of healthy bodies right now. And they have negative cap space on top of it, right? So it was it was all kind of fun in games. You know, earlier when they made the Jack Eichel trade and, and Mark Stone goes on LTIR right after that and everyone said, hey, you know, they're doing the Tampa Bay thing all over again. Well, well, guess what Tampa Bay did, though? They made the playoffs. <laughs> you have to make the playoffs for that to work. All of a sudden, with so much urgency here, if they try to get Stone, and I don't know what his injury status is, but if they try to get a bunch of these players back in, they're going to have to move guys out as well. And, and how do you move guys out and try to improve your team when you're already so banged up and you need more NHL bodies in the lineup, it's going to be a really delicate balance for the Golden Knights. And I think they're one of the the sneakier, you know, underreported teams as to what they're going to do heading into this trade deadline. It's just going to be fascinating here. Now, a big part of that is going to be what they do Tuesday night against the Winnipeg Jets. That's the next game for the club. And it's it's where we'll close off today's episode by just taking a quick sneak peek at that matchup here. The Jets return home. A little bit of worry. You know, that, that first game back after a, after a tough road trip out east. You, you do see teams tend to have stinkers in that first game back coming off the road. But from a Vegas perspective, like I mentioned there, it's, it's really more like the Henderson Silver Knights featuring a couple of the Golden Knights in this one. Like, they are insanely banged up right now. And it's, you know, at some look, injuries are, is something every team has to deal with. But the Vegas Golden Knights are getting absolutely slaughtered right now. Like, they have $30 million on the sidelines right now. You're talking about basically just about half your cap isn't able to play hockey for you. It's it's tough for any team to overcome that, right? You have, I mean, up front, Pacioretty, Stone. I mean, Mark, your, your captain, your MVP is out. Max Pacioretty, your, your best goal scorer is out. Riley Smith is also out. Even, even Matthias Janmark is a, a bit of a spark plug on their third line, right? Like, that's it's just too many guys out of the lineup. And it's probably not going to come as much of a surprise to you that yeah, the Vegas Golden Knights are struggling to score right now. They're creating a ton of chances, oddly enough, even with a bunch of, you know, replacement players and AHLers in the lineup. I mean, they had almost 50 shots against Philly the other week or, or last week, the other game. 
and couldn't find a way to beat Carter Hart in that one. But they they just don't. I mean, th- this is a team that's had finishing problems the past two playoffs with relatively full health. And now that some of their elite players are out of the lineup, I think it's just being magnified even more right now. So it's a team that's banged up, struggling to score. On top of it, their starting goalie is out of the lineup as well. And it's a decision between Logan Thompson and Laurent Brassois right now. I mean, Logan Thompson has been getting the call as of late, and, and he's doing okay with a 909 save percentage in those three games. But, you know, Vegas has tried to lean on Brassois with Leonard out for so long, and it, it hasn't gone very well for them. I mean, he's he's under a 900 save percentage for the season. I mean, they're basically... They're basically getting slaughtered in each and every part of their lineup right now. And the blue line, too, on top of it. Missing Braden McNabb and Alec Martinez, right? Two, two of their top four defensemen. They're, they're just not a lot is going right right now for the Vegas Golden Knights. It's it's kind of snowballing on them, and they're they're running out of runway. And it's a prime opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets to, to really continue that misery. I mean, it's... <laughs> no game against Vegas is easy, but this is about as gettable as it gets for the Jets to push themselves closer to that line and, and try to reel in the Vegas Golden Knights here. So I'm just super intrigued to see what the Winnipeg response is going to be in a game like this and, and just what, what Vegas looks like because with who they've got in the lineup right now, you're really, you're really putting all your eggs in the Jack Eichel basket, a guy that's played 13 games so far this season and is trying to find his way back after a pretty significant neck surgery. It, it's... It's a real, it's a game with a lot of fun storylines here. I'm super jacked. I can't wait to see it get going here. And I mean, I'll tell you what, if the Jets play like they did against the St. Louis Blues Tuesday night as they did on Sunday, they're going to be skating out with the two points and it's going to be absolute alarm bell time out there in Vegas. And, and they're going to have some big, big decisions to make ahead of Monday's trade deadline. But that's going to do it for the episode here. We'll call it quits there. We'll get back to it on Friday morning with, I mean, the one game to break down. We'll talk Jets Golden Knights. We'll get a preview of the matchup Friday night against the Boston Bruins. A bit of a tough one for the Jets in that one. But, I mean, really what it's going to be is our last preview before the trade deadline gets going. So we'll do a final trade deadline preview Talk about expected returns, picks, prospects, trades, everything like that. On top of it, too, I want to hear from you guys. So send me your trades, your trade proposals, who should go where, who should come back. Crazy, sane. I I want all of it. We'll get to all of those responses when we get back to it on Friday's episode. So, again, hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or at SkatesPlatesPod. Either one of those. Would love to know what you guys think when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets and the upcoming trade deadline. But we'll get to that in Friday's episode. Until then, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Peace.